Welcome back to another edition of Official Word Sports. I'm Vince, here with my co-host Stevie D. Stevie D, we just completed Super Wildcard Weekend. and uh, How can Monday be part of the weekend? Can somebody explain that to me? You know, hey, we got to talk to Roger. We got to talk to Roger about that one. But it was crazy. It, it, it was, when they say wild card, it was truly wild, whether it be the Jacksonville Jaguars, whether it be Brett Mayer and just his, whether it be TB12, what was going on with TB12, and, of course, my Buffalo Bills, right? Um, that was a very, uh, let's say, stressing type game to watch, especially coming off the heels of the Saturday games. Um, and, and don't be fooled by the Vegas odds makers and the talking heads that are out there, right? And we'll get into that a little bit. But but uh, one thing that, that where I want to go now is that, Stevie D, we went into the archive, right? Had, had to dial the save and, and go into the archive, pull out a member of the Buffalo Bills from their last, and I call it an exhibition game, and I'm going to let him know why I call it an exhibition game. But it's Russell Copeland, receiver for the Buffalo Bills, uh, had a career with Buffalo and certainly, you know, did some things on the field and, and was a contributor to those those Buffalo Bill teams. So let me let's just without further ado, let's bring him on, Russell Copeland. Russell, how are you? Welcome to I'm the show. I'm doing well. Thank, thank you guys for having me. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You know, I just as I was opening up, not sure if you heard. You know, I was just talking about. You know, you were you were a member of what I call the team that went to the exhibition game, right? And, and, and I, I refuse to call it, A, because we would be fined by the league if we use the term, I'll say it once, Super Bowl, right? If you say Super Bowl, then you can be fined. So without using that, I call it an exhibition game. And here's why I call it an exhibition game. Because the AFC championship, we won four times in a row, all right? So first of all, that matters. Second of all, when you get to the exhibition game, there's parties, there's media requests, there's different interviews, there's different signings, there's all this hoopla that goes into that. You don't get that for the AFC Championship. You get a little bit, right? A little bit more media attention comes, but not to the extent of the other one where really – you know, what really matters is that AFC championship. If we didn't have that extra game that's an exhibition, you would still know that you're the kings of the AFC. And you guys were the kings of the AFC for four consecutive years, right? In total for the franchise six times, right? So, yeah, I, I, I congratulate you guys, and I refuse to call it that other name. I just I call it an exhibition. So you guys did what you had to do. He, he doesn't understand where I'm going with that. Hopefully you do. Well, you know, when you're playing, you know, on the biggest stage, um, it, it definitely does matter. But I, I think something that, that cannot be repeated when you have went to that game, the big game, uh, for four straight years and you have won the AFC for four straight years, that's really saying something. Because when you look at, you know, who's on top now, when you look at who's the top quarterback now, you look at Patrick Mahomes, right? And, and he's done it twice, okay? He's been to the Super Bowl twice. And you look at now – um, this weekend, you know, the Bills are playing against the Cincinnati Bengals and they are the defending AFC champions. But 
it's really hard to do what the Buffalo Bills did in the 90s. Yeah, that, that, that's for sure. Let me ask you, and, you know, we, we kind of talked about some things we were going to talk with you about today, but a little out of order. By that team going to four straight, I know from my perspective, I, I was just getting into media back then, right? So you could hear some certain things, talk to you guys, you know, in interviews, locker room, what have you, but also talk with the fans, and then you started to get the outside voices. Did you guys hear those outside voices that were kind of like, we don't want you guys there again, right? It, it seemed like after the second or third one, it, we almost turned from the darlings of the NFL, right, to where we were the hated team from the NFL. Did you feel that? I, I think you look at it from 50-50. I, I think uh, there were 50, when I say 50-50, there were some that say, hey, I'm cheering for this Buffalo Bills team to win a Super Bowl. And then, as I say, you may have had your naysayers, your haters to say, hey, they've won a couple of times. They didn't win. Let's get someone else to represent the AFC. And for me, is if that's what you feel and that's what you want, then you need to take the crown from the Buffalo Bills and you were not able that's to right. do that. Um, so if the Buffalo Bills did not get it done in the Super Bowl, you definitely could not have, have gotten it done because the Bills dominated in the 90s. There you go. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I'm looking I am, for I am going to reserve the right because this is about the Buffalo Bills today. <laughs> As a Jet guy, I am not going to rain on any parade, any which way. So I'm not even going to make the comment because you set me up for it. But I'm, I'm going to take the high road today, Vince. I'm going to take the high road because we got our man, Russell, on the show. And, and so I'm just going to take the high road today. No, I'll like, you know, that's a mic drop right there. So, so Russell, let, let, let's talk about your, your Bills career. You were drafted, as we mentioned, drafted in, what, in 93 uh, from Memphis. And, you know, coming from Memphis – yeah, it, it was not, at least uh, nationwide, was not revered as one of these top schools, right? Uh, but you, you, you produced some heavy talent, and we'll start with yourself. Uh, what was the transition, though, going from Memphis coming to Buffalo in the NFL? What was that like for you? Well, from a personal standpoint, I think the hardest thing to adjust uh, was the weather the snow and the ice to adjust that, you know, coming and going from practice. Um, but really coming from Memphis, I, I think for me, I had really some really good coaches and I could run routes. I understood coverages. I understood leverages. Um, I really did have a good quarterback my junior year, the year that I came out. Actually, he was supposed to be drafted in the first two rounds, but he ended up breaking his leg um, in a couple of places his senior year. His name was uh, Steve Matthews. Um, so, so we had, uh, a guy by the name of Randy Fickner. He was the offensive coordinator for a lot of years for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He was young then. His dad had coached at Purdue. So he really understood offenses. But we didn't throw the football a lot, even though we ended up having myself, Isaac Bruce, and another receiver, Matt Cody, that played. I think the speed of the game is is what I had to adjust mostly with, um, being able to learn the disguises of coverages, um, how the cornerbacks really – they could turn on a dime even though you had them beat they could turn on a dime so something that's wide open like five or ten yards that's in college in the national football league is just a couple of feet so it's really a game of inches um, running reverses how fast the defensive line were how fast the 
the linebackers were. And, and also from a quarterback standpoint is that you had to get to a certain spot. And I, I was fortunate enough to play with a Hall of Fame quarterback and a quarterback that had went to the big game uh, for three straight years. So he would throw to a spot and you have to get there. So the speed of the game, I think, was the biggest thing for me to adjust to. No, that's fair. That That's fair. Do you find yourself critiquing players? Hold on a second, CBD. Do you find yourself critiquing and kind of coaching the players as you watch the game from afar? Well, you know, absolutely. Um, I, I think for me, I really appreciated the game and appreciated the team that I played with, with all the future Hall of Famers. Uh, appreciated Marv Levy, appreciated working with with uh, Thurman Thomas, Jim Kelly, Andre Reed, and then going against some of the, the, the great defenders. And after my time away from the game, I know the game, I understand the game. And now that's what I can do when I work with other players. But just watching it on television, it's just easy for me to look at it because it's almost like film study. I can say, hey, man, you didn't take your route up. Hey, you went too flat on this route. Hey, you should have taken it to the back pylon. Or, hey, you should have came back to the ball on that curl route. You know, things of that nature. And then sometimes when I'm looking at the commentators talk about the game and, and they put it on the quarterback, a lot of times it's really not that or vice versa. It's that the quarterback is thrown to a spot and the wide receiver may have slipped, he may have gotten held, and he didn't get to that spot. You know, sometimes you can say, where was he throwing the football to? Because he's he's dropping, he's trying to look away the safeties, and he's throwing to a particular spot, and he believes that the wide receiver is going to be there. So that's kind of how I look at the game. Uh, and that's why when you have a wide receiver tandem that has worked very well together, they can really do it, and they do it effortless. And that's what you need. And that's what I see with Diggs, and that's what I see in Josh Allen. I see that with this receiving core. I can tell that he works with them because they're they're most of the times they're in the place where they need to be, and and they make the tough catches. Mm -hmm. that's, great, that's great insight uh, there. You know, because a lot of people don't the game within the game, right? And uh, as a former player, you understand that. I, I want to go back just a hair when when you talked about when you came in the league and, and the route running and the speed of the game, uh, when, when you took the field in those first practices, did you feel overwhelmed in those first OTAs, if you will, and, and you got Jim Kelly and whoever, maybe I don't even know who the backup was at that point in 93, if right. Frank was still there or not. Was he still there in 93? I wasn't sure if he moved on, but um, were you intimidated um, in, in going up, and, and running your routes as a rookie, because um, all of a sudden you look across and you got there's Andre Reed, right? And so may, maybe don't even look at it that way. Um, but so it's a two part question: is is was the speed of the game? How long did it take you to adjust to the speed of the game? And at what point, if it did happen in your rookie year, I'm not sure where it happened in your career where you felt comfortable. You know what? I understand the speed of the game, and it's slowing down for me. And, and like the light bulb is clicking now in the NFL. Well, for the first question, I wasn't overwhelmed to the standpoint of I was starstruck. Um, I wanted to go out and play. I wanted to compete. I came in with a chip on my shoulder because um, I was I was really supposed to have went or projected to go high in the second round or late in the second round. So once I slipped to the fourth round, I felt like I knew I had to make the team. Nothing was guaranteed. But as far as looking at Andre Reed, how smooth he was running routes, I liked that. I wanted to get everything from him. When I saw how fast Don Beebe was, I wanted, I wanted to see how he was coming in and out of his breaks. And I think as far as the speed of the game, it takes you to get into game time. Yes, I learned. I went against players like Nate Odoms in practice. 
Um, but but the speed of the game is not only from the defensive standpoint, but where does Jim Kelly want me to be at? And and that was something that I had to really adjust to and for him to be able to tr to trust me. So I think it, it took me probably into my second year, third year to really, really know that, hey, I understand the game. I know what's happening to me. I know what he's expecting if the defensive back does that. If I need to shorten my route, he understands that if it's a back shoulder phase, so to, so to speak, I know where, where he wants me to be. So probably my third year is when I was really, really comfortable. Because uh, in thir your third year is where it actually started all clicking, if I, if I remember correctly. I think you had around 42 catches. I, was that? I believe that was your third year in the league. Yes, yes. And, um, you, you know, and also the playbook, um, you know, to, to really adjust with the playbook. Because I think if, if you talk about overwhelming, it wasn't from, from a player standpoint to be overwhelmed by other players. It was more like the playbook, man. The playbook was like a phone book. And, and um, you know, I had the luxury of my receiver coach was a Hall of Fame named Charlie Joyner. And we would meet in the mornings like 5, 30, 6 o'clock in the morning to just go over things. And he said, look, I'm going to tell you what Jim, you know, Jim may go back to some things that we haven't done because you have to take mine. He's been playing with Andre Reid now for several years. He's been to three straight Super Bowls. And he would tell me, if you're outside and you get caught up on an audible and you don't know what to do, he said, just run a go route. And believe it or not, I caught some goal routes just running a clear out routes, but um, the playbook is something that you really have to get into. You really have to learn, especially for me, um, because we ran a K-Gun offense and the K-Gun offense is an offense that's not really hub. You're standing outside, so you're doing hand signals or you're doing words and you have to know where to go and you're doing it on the fly. So if you don't really know the offense, you're not going to be able to play. You know, you, you mentioned something talking about, you know, just even in practice and, you know, I, you, you definitely benefited, and you mentioned Nate's name, right? Uh, great defensive back that we had before you left. I think he went to Seattle. But you also had Thomas Smith that you would go up and battle against, J.D. Williams. We had we had a really stout defense and, and a really good secondary that definitely, I would assume, that, that helped you prepare for, you know, week after week. You know, sometimes that level of competition was not the same that you would have in that lead, week leading up to it. Hey, it, it definitely helped me when it was time for me to play. You know, my rookie year, I, I was put into some spots, and I think I caught maybe 20 passes or something, a little bit more than that. Um, but but you take mind that you have Hall of Fame, future Hall of Fame receivers that's playing. So to be able to come in and step in as a rookie and for Jim Kelly to trust you was big. But you're talking about the defensive backs that I went against, man. Every day one-on-one was really big, and, and it was huge. Yeah. And Thomas Smith, man, he's a good friend of mine. He was the first-round pick then, so – Every yep. day, man, I would go up against him and say, man, I should have been the first round pick. You know, that's what I'm saying to myself. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> so <laughs> we would we would have a lot of battles and just looking at Andre and Don BB go up against the two starting corners. You look, you're talking about J.D. Williams. You're talking about somebody that could flat fly. You know, he ran yep. like four two. He could run. Um, he was really good. He was long. And Nate Otis was just smooth, man. He understood the game. He could read the quarterback. He could read the drops. And it was just unfortunate for him that he had the, the, the knee injury. I think he had left and went to Seattle. Uh, but he was really, really good. And he played so many games. And I would watch films and I would look at it. And it helped prepare me when it was really time for me to play. When I say my third year, my second year, I played a lot. Um, but when, when I became a starter, you know, playing against those guys right there helped me to be ready to go against Detroit Vincent at Philadelphia. Uh, actually, he was at Miami then. Some of the better cornerbacks, it helped me to be to be prepared for those. Yeah, I, I, I think that that secondary was very underrated, right? Uh, I think if you were around them, obviously, you practice against those guys, right? You travel, you play with them, so you knew, right? And I think being 
in Buffalo and, and seeing that team, we well, knew we knew it. We knew it down with the Jets because we couldn't beat you guys. So, so we knew all that, about you guys. You, you heard you you would always hear about Smith and Bennett and Tally, right? You, the the big names, right? Then they would kind of filter down into more of our front seven. Henry Jones had that big year, right? And, and people talk about him when he had all those interceptions. But that secondary, that was a great secondary. Right. And I can just only imagine the battles that you guys had, whether it be training camp or regular in practice. But, you know, I, I'm glad you brought that in, you know, just to kind of shed some light on that. When we talk about the secondary, and, and I, I want to go into the topic here, Russell, uh, and talking about DeMar Hamlin, right? Um, it was, it, it was almost undescribable. Right. Mm -hmm. As everything unfolded um, and Steve and I uh, on the podcast, we, we struggled. Uh, we struggled just from a humanitarian. Mm -hmm. part, right. We struggled. Uh, one of the things that that, you know, I said, like immediately and Steve was right there with me. We were not going to try to capitalize in social media by reposting or doing anything like that with DeMar's name there to it, right? It just, it didn't feel right, right? And, and I almost, you know, I, I just anger when I see people that were putting things up just so uh -huh. they could get in the light, right? They, here's a man that was giving it all and, you know, you, you're looking at it. And as you, as you watch the players' faces, I think that told the story, right? Not listening, just, just watching the faces and, you know, it just, it was gripping for you as, as a former player, right? Having played between those lines and you know, right? Uh, I, I never, I played ball, but not to the level that you did. You know that every time that you strap it up, you go between the lines, something could happen, right? And 99.9% .9 of the time we've been fortunate, right? Where we've been able to make it through, uh, go home, see the family, you know, do, do what you have to do. Here's a situation where that didn't happen, and we didn't know what was going to happen. Um, as a former player, I, I, what was your emotion? What what was going through your mind with that? Um, guys, to be honest, it was really bizarre. It was a bizarre turn of events for me, and you just touched on it. You know, looking at it at the game from home, and and I see the tackle, and I see him jump up, and then I see him collapse. And so right then, seriously, I, I jumped up and and I said something is wrong because I didn't think it was paralysis because he had jumped up. And I said, I think something has cut his air supply off. That's what I had said. And then immediately there, I, you know, as a player, you know, you see players get hurt, you see players limp off and you see players lay down and you see um, the, 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 the training staff come on the field. But the urgency mm -hmm. of the training staff how they came and then I saw all the team of doctors come. I said, man, something is really not right. And then I started seeing the players' faces and I started right. seeing players cry. And when I saw the players begin to cry, yeah. I, I knew that it was something that we had never witnessed before in a game. And, and take mine, you know, we've seen Joe Theismann, um, yeah. we've seen Alex Smith, um, even when the Jets played, you know, back in the early 80s, you know, we saw, I think it was Bird, you know, we saw him not get off. And usually you always see the thumbs up or, 
or even when they are taken off and they may not give you the thumbs up, you know, you're still able to, to go back and play. You're worried about your teammate, but this right here was something different. And, and just to talk about all of it, I, I think, you know, for me, you know, I believe in unity. I believe in peace. I believe in, 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 in harmony. Uh, it doesn't matter the gender. It doesn't matter the sexual orientation, um, whether your economic status or your sex, your sexual orientation. For me, everyone came together. It didn't, it didn't matter um, what ball club that, that you're cheering for. It didn't matter who, who was cheering for who in, the, in, this, in this stadium. And throughout the country, it was humanity, and everyone was able to come together uh, for the cause of him. And you had the, you know, the candlelight, um, and, and it just means a lot to me that we all can come together. Unfortunately, it was for this, but to see how everyone worked together as a team, and, and I have to go backwards a little bit because um, let me just just thank the the medical staff, the training staff that that was there and and i don't know if anyone really knows about this but they are trained on that each and every week there's a doctor that's assigned that's going to be the head doctor if something of this magnitude happens and he takes the lead and everyone else knows what they're supposed to do that's that's what's happened and for them to move as quickly as they did they didn't miss a beat and mm -hmm. and going back to you, you talk about me as a former player and just looking at the players and and, and looking down on the field and see CPR being administered to your teammate, to a player who's just an hour ago was getting up probably for the biggest game of his life. Now he's faced with not being able to get up at all. And, and for him to, to, to go through that and for the team to go through those emotions and to see him talking and up in the middle of the week. And what stands out for me about him is that the first question that he asked was did we win the football game now right. that says a lot man you know that's that says a lot about something man you you died you literally died twice and for him to come back and think about his team and his teammates it's not any question to me why they love him uh it shows a lot about the man that he is because the charities that he's been a part of before all of this happened and i'm just glad to see that he's up and, and he's back but 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 just one thing for everyone to come together in the nation, not just sports channels, but everyone to come together. We can do this. And, and, and I spoke about what I believe in. I believe in the peace and harmony. I believe in everyone can get, get along and get together. And you see it in sports a lot of times. You know, sports is kind of relative to the military. The military is a little bit higher because it's life and death. But, but it's kind of very similar because it doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter what city you're from. It doesn't matter what, what kind of family you come from. You all work together for a common goal because I got your back and you have my back. And that's what we were able to see throughout the country. Everyone came together for one cause. Yeah, no, for sure. Spot on. Um, you know, you, you answered probably one of my questions, but also the great statement because, you know, just to, to follow that, the inspiration, right? When you look at the city of Buffalo over the last 12 months, the city of Buffalo has gone through a lot, right? Mm -hmm. And, and I know other cities have had, you know, some things that have gone on. But when you look at the city of Buffalo, you, you had the, the mass shooting that took place. Uh, you had two severe uh, snowstorms that actually took the lives of people, right? Um, and then there, there's been some other tragedies. You know, you have Kim Pagula, who, who's going through her health uh, issues her, herself. There's just a lot, right? And 
then when this happened with DeMar, to your point, it just continued to galvanize everybody. And, and you know, yeah, I hear some people, and you mentioned the word haters. I hear some people that are the haters, right? You know, but when you talk about Buffalo, there's there's a reason why people are rooting for the Bills, right, and rooting for the city of Buffalo as we go mm-hmm. through this playoff push just because of, you know, trying to embrace all that is there. I, I you know, again, Stevie D and, and myself, we, we talked about the, the DeMar situation after. And e- even today in our show prep, you, d- you didn't know what was going to happen for those first 24, 48 hours. And as you said, you know, what, once the, the doctor started to report, you, hey, you know, there's some activity that's going on. This is all positive, right? And, and we're getting these updates. And I got to tell, I got to be honest with you, Russell. I'm not a social media guy, right? I'm not a Twitter. I'm not a Facebook guy. I'm not an Instagram guy, right? I, I think I call it the gram. Am I doing that right, Stevie? I call it. <laughs> but I, I was locked in on my phone, nonstop, waiting for an update, right? The the news channels and, and the sports news channels they were late in providing the information in Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. You're getting everything, and I'm hanging on every single post, right, waiting for that positive news. And to your point, when he when he finally was able to write down, did we win? I mean, that that was that was a weight lifted off of my shoulder, right? Yeah, you could exhale, right? And it felt so good. And and now to see, you know, his progress, right? Uh, it, it's to the point now. Where I'm curious, yeah, the first game, everybody came out with the flags and everybody's, you know, holding up the three and all of that. Do you do you think, uh, is it possible as a player that uh, his progress and just his state of mind, his well-being, right, his, his Instagram post, his fa- Facebook Live to the team, that that's motivation for the team as well? Absolutely. Uh, I think you hit the nail on the head when you talk about all of the tragedies that have happened in Buffalo. And this right here just was the was the top of it. And and it, it just it just made it to a point for me that I think this is a football team that's destined. I, I really honestly believe that. And and when you talk about motivation, yes, it's motivation because the first game that they played, you had a kickoff return to start the game. Mm-hmm. And I played special teams and I returned kicks and I returned punts. And everyone always says, hey, man, let's take the first kick back. Everyone always says that. But the theme for this was perfect. It was like something out of a movie. You couldn't have drawn up a better script than that. You have everyone together. Everyone, like as you say, they, they've, they've galvanized. They've, they've come together. And you return a kick, the opening kick, back for a touchdown, and then you do it again in the second half so to answer your question yes i think the team has momentum i think the team is going to look against cincinnati this week and it's, it's going to bring back a lot of memories it's going to bring mm-hmm. back a lot um but i'm gonna take it on the positive side to say hey he's living he's mm-hmm. good he's okay he's back with us and now let's go ahead and finish what what we started when we was in cincinnati but guess what now it's at our place and, and you know something that would be great, guys, if 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 he's healthy enough to have him at the game, if he's yes. healthy enough, if he's healthy enough, that he can do the cheer mm-hmm. and he can lead that cheer. Mm-hmm. That right there 
would be so monumental. It would be mm. so energetic. And I just I just think that this Bills football team is a team of destiny and, and the city, uh, upstate New York, Buffalo, Orchard Park, Hamburg, all of the surrounding areas, they are hungry for a Super Bowl winner. And this is the closest team uh, since the team that I was a part of in the 90s that has an opportunity to do that. I think they have the right nucleus. I think they have the right leader at quarterback. Diggs is an emotional leader, and you have some on defense as well. Uh, I just think this team is a team of destiny. Yeah, no, I, I, I like that. Um, so let, let, let me ask you this question. Going back, right, I know we're going back and forth, but going back, you, you look at your game when, when you were on those teams, and now when you look at this team, who do you think most closely resembles your game? I would say Gabe. Um, okay. Gabe, Gabe Davis. He he's a he's a big receiver. Um, he what makes the tough. What you saying is you got that toe tap swag. Is that is that what you're saying? Absolutely, 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 <laughs> man. absolutely. Uh, but yeah, man. You know he's big. He he makes those contested catches. Um, and and really, you know, he's he's playing in the shadows of a superstar all pro wide receiver. Um, you know, much like a lot of number two receivers do. But I really like his game, man, and hopefully he can get involved um, this weekend because when, you, when you're when you playing against the Cincinnati Bengals, being able to spread that football around offensively um, for the Bills would be big. Um, and, and I think the number two wide receiver, uh, and also when you look at tight ends. But for him, I think, I think he's going to have a big game. Okay. All right. No, fair enough. So what, what is game, it's like big game Gabe, right? It's not his name. He shows up in the big so, time. So well, after that Kansas City game, <laughs> it stuck, right? Eight for 204 touchdowns. So Russell, what, what's life for you after, after, uh, after football? Um, well, you know, after, after leaving football, um, I, I just took some time off and, and my kids, you know, to, to be in my kids' life, they were, they were doing some sports and do some things with them and spend time, uh, with my wife. But since then, um, you know, I'm broadcasting, I'm, I'm actually an analyst for the Tiger Sports, um, radio network at Learfield. Um, I do a lot of training, um, uh, some speed and agility. Um, I work with uh, the speed part of it. I work with the conditioning part of it. I work with the agility part of it. Also work with some uh, wide receivers, uh, being able to 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 get them in bump and run situations. To work with them, coming back to the football, work with them on, on their footwork. Uh, let them do a little bit of film study. We look at some things and and let them be able to tell me what are you going to run on this route. Um, if they play bump and run, if you got a post corner, how are you going to run it? How are you going to run a speed out if they play bump and run uh, with you? If the defensive back uh, takes one side and you have a comeback. How are you going to be able to come back to the ball inside or outside? Going across the middle, let them show them how to run a dig route from different angles. Come all the way across. If it's man to man, if it's zone, you sit down in the hole, you come back to it. May, you may even whip it out. Just going through one through nine uh, with mm -hmm. them. Um, and, then, and then also talking with them um, off the field, off the, the playing surface um, about life in general, uh, about things um, that goes on because we are living in a society today that a lot of things are happening and peer pressure is always going to be a part of it. So, so that's what I'm doing. And I also, um, on my, my own lawn service and landscaping business as well. So, so those are things that I'm doing. And we talked about the YouTube earlier. I'm trying to, you know, get that started as well off the ground as well. So with that lawn service, do you do anything in Florida? Cause, uh, I, I'm ready to sign up. <laughs> 
Hey, I got you, man. I tell you what, we'll go out for a little bit, man. But I tell you what, I would love to hang out, man, and have some dinner. My wife loves Florida. So my, my, my youngest daughter, she's 12. She loves to go to Florida. So hopefully we can definitely be hooking up when it gets a little bit warm. All right. Definitely. Definitely. So, um, yeah, okay, Russell. I, 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 I got to cut in here. I got to cut in. Oh, I, I got to get it in before before I forget because I'm getting old and, and my memory's not so good. So, so I got a couple of quick questions for you. Um, it's almost like a rapid fire thing, right? Who is your favorite teammate of all time? Oh, you can't ask that. Yeah, everybody's got to have a favorite teammate that they played with. Somebody's gonna be left out. Well, well, I, you know, I loved all of them, but for me, Eric Mose, for me. See, thank you, Russell. Um, <laughs> who is your favorite coach of all time? It could be Marvel at any Levy. level. No, Marvel it's Marvin Levy. What's the one DB, the, the DB that you hate lining up against? Not a practice uh, in the game. It, it would probably be Troy Vincent for the Miami Dolphins. What player do you hate in the NFL? The one. The can, that you can't ask that question. Yes, I can. Well, yes, I, I can. I, I don't. I don't. I don't hate. I don't hate any player because not because hate, hate like you know the one player you just. Mm. I I I really I really don't hate any players, and, and here's why: because you know I I belong to an elite fraternity, and all of us are brothers, no matter what team that that you that you that you play for. Um, so I love all my players, but what I will say is that the fan base that gets under my nerves is the Dallas Cowboys fan base. So um, I would use that. But players, I love all of my players, man. When I when I look at a a football game, man, I'm I'm neutral, so to speak. I want Buffalo to win, but I also like what Jamar Chase does. I love the catches. Just just don't beat the Buffalo Bills. But I love how he runs routes. I love Joe Burrow. I love all the players in the league, man. And, and it's just great to to how the game is evolving. The young quarterbacks, you know, I'm a fan of the game. I was a fan of the game in the 70s when I was growing up, um, watching the Pittsburgh Steelers, man, watching Lynn Swan and, and and those guys. So I'm always be a fan of the game. But no, I don't I don't hate any players, but the Dallas Cowboys fan base kind of gets under my skin a little bit. Okay, so I'm gonna keep that theme with that the works. Dallas Cowboys here for a second because you you played them in the exhibition game. Thank you. Know, you're welcome. Um what was it like to take the field in an exhibition game. Can I can I can I briefly call it a Super Bowl? Yeah, call it the big game. He 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 okay. referenced it as the big game. What what was that like in your preparation, maybe the day before, the day of, and then all of a sudden knowing that this is the game most likely as a as a young as a young man, a child, if, you know, whenever you started playing, you know, pop born a football, like I'm gonna play in a Super Bowl, right? I'm sure we all in the backyard say, I'm gonna play in a Super Bowl. Now all of a sudden you get there. What was that feeling like of going out in the field with, with everything that was going on, what, what was like your emotions like, you know, take, taking the field? It, it was really unreal. Um, and, and if you can bear with me to, to just lead up into it, I, I think the preparation on the field was the same, but everything that you had to, to, to go through as far as the media, speaking with the media, you having media day, um, you had a lot of things that was different leading up to the week, different than what it is playing at a home game or playing in a away game. Um, but taking the field, and and for me, I, I got the open opening kickoff return, and just seeing all the light bulbs, and just being able to look and see. You may look over there on this row, and and there's a star here, there's a star there, and and just me saying to myself is that, hey man, you're here, man, you're in the big game, man. You know, try to take this to the house. But 
it was unreal for me because like you mentioned before, as, as a kid growing up and once I started playing sports, my dream was to play in the national football league. And ultimately it would be great to play in the Super Bowl. You know, you go outside and you play at halftime and you know, you, you throw passes outside or you, or you mess around before the game comes on and you want to be a certain player. And now to finally be in that big game, it was, it was really big for me. Honestly, it seemed unreal. Um, to be in that game. But once I caught the kick and got the first lick, believe it or not, it's just like any other game. But leading up to it and just seeing everything that comes along with it um, was great. But for me, I had to, I had the luxury of, of having teammates that had been to three straight Super Bowls. So they were able to set the tone. They were able to set the stage during the week of what you should do, what you should not do. And I think that means a lot because sometimes other teams do not have that. And a lot of times I think they get distracted, so to speak, before the week's over or even get distracted right before the game. So I had the luxury of playing with some great teammates. Wow. Great answer. My last one, as, as a, as a young man, a kid growing up, when you had asked, who was your favorite player in the NFL? And you said, man, I want to be like him in the NFL. It was Lance. It was Lance Swan. Swan. I emulated, I emulated Lynn Swan. I, I would throw the football over the house. I would throw the football to myself, dive into leaves or whatever. But I thought Lynn Swan was, was like the best player, man, how he made catches. And, and, you know, back in those days, you know, you only had a couple of channels. So the Pittsburgh Steelers would always be on the channel or either the Dallas Cowboys. And it seems like every time I would be looking at the game with my grandfather, Lynn Swan would be making one of those acrobatic catches. So I wanted to be like Lynn Swan growing up. And as I got older, I wanted to be like Jerry Rice. So it's two receivers. And as I got old enough, Lance Swan wasn't playing anymore. And I looked at Jerry Rice and I just thought that he was like a, a, a ballet dancer, how smooth he was, how he caught the football, man, how he handled his business on the field and off the field. And it didn't really matter what defensive back he was going against. You knew that Jerry Rice was going to, you know, give his best and he was going to go out and, and be on top, whether it was, it was Deion Sanders or whoever it may be. So those two players is who I wanted to be, be like. Awesome. You know, I really was hoping that you'd say Jerry Butler or Frank Lewis. That That's what I was waiting to hear, but I, I, I didn't hear that, but that's all right. Swanee was good. Swanee was good. I, I have to give it up to my bills. <laughs> so, hey, Jerry, Jerry was good, man. A lot of people don't know, man. Jerry was the man, man. Jerry had some gloves, man. Jerry, Jerry, you know, he's in the, he's in the books there at Buffalo, man. People forget about Jerry. Jerry was a great guy, too. He was a personnel guy, player personnel guy, you know, and, and if you had anything that you needed to talk to, he did a great job of, of coming around, speaking to everyone. He'll sit you down, man. Everything going good, man. How you like the city, man? You know, is there any pressures on you, you know, from the team? How are you adjusting? Um, he did a tremendous job. I love Jerry. Good. All right. One one last wrap, and then we're gonna, we'll wrap it up with some things for you. When you have your wings, do you have it with blue cheese now? I do. Thank you. Thank you. That, that you know, there's a lot of people out there that have this misnomer that you're supposed to use ranch. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I use I use blue cheese, and it's so funny because my kids they try to use ranch. They said, "Dad, why you lose?" you use blue cheese i said man look i i i, I played for where the wings are from buffalo man i said you gotta have blue cheese man blue cheese with your wings <laughs> so russell you've mentioned your youtube channel um and you there, there's something that's near and dear to your heart i kind of want to kind of open mic for you uh let, let you talk about some things out there and, and hopefully uh, some of our listeners, subscribers, you know, visitors to not only our YouTube channel, but Facebook, 
uh, we'll, we'll take heed and, you know, kind of give you a, a, a shout out or, or a watch to your YouTube channel. And so, you know, the floor is yours. Well, you know, I'm starting up the YouTube channel. Um, it's Russell Copeland at 4350, and I'm going to be discussing different topics uh, as far as breaking down some games, as far as some of the hot topics that may be going on. This past week I was talking about uh, Lamar Jackson and his contract, trying to give you the ins and outs uh, from a player perspective of some things that you may not see, uh, breaking down some games in, in terms of coverages, in terms of mismatches, and who is the favorite and why this team is favorite, why the matchups are good. And then once the season is over with, I'll be talking about the draft. I'll be talking about maybe some trades that may take place. Uh, so just please tune in for me. Uh, you know, hit that subscribe button and hit the like button. But it's something that I'm starting. And and hopefully, man, it'll get big. Because I do have some insight and been fortunate enough to play in the National Football League, you know, for, for six years. So uh, it'll be fun. It'll be interesting. And, again, that channel is Russell Copeland 4350? Yeah, that's it. Okay, perfect. You know, definitely we're gonna we're gonna have to get back together when um, when it is draft time because uh, I you know I, I I do have to put it out there, right? You're looking at the two guys that called the draft picks for the Jets as well as for the Bills. This gentleman over there said Sauce Gardner and was all over Sauce, and I was all over Kyrie Elam. Right, I, I love that kid uh, from the. That from was a better pick at that stage of the draft than Sauce Gardner was where, where the Jets were. I, I mean, let's not downplay you picking that that pick that far down well, in the draft. I, I, I mean, I I don't want to reveal my sources, but you know, Brent, I, I mean, uh, Mr. Bean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I um I you, you knew you knew the the position was a need. Right, you knew that, so you knew that that's probably the direction they were going. And there, there were about three guys that I liked out there. But when I looked at the physicality that he plays, that he plays a position with, um, it, it just to me it spoke of McDermott, right? Uh -huh. It spoke of Leslie Frazier, and I was like, this kid is it, right? And I, I was surprised Christian Benford having one heck of a season until he got hurt, right? Enough for you know such a low draft pick to even get the starting nod, especially when you drafted Elam number one. The future's bright there for their secondary, but I, I think Elam really has developed. Uh, Dane Jackson, is, I think his practice status was he was out today and is questionable for the Cincinnati game, maybe out for Cincinnati. I don't know yet. Um, but if Elam comes in, I, I, I don't have any fear. Right with him oh, being Elam in there, had a great game against Miami. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Yeah, great, great kid. Hey, yeah. hey, 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 hold on, let's wait. When we're talking about the first round, I got to get a little bit more credit here, though. Who called the Jets trading back up into the first round for the he third did. first round pick? You, you did. He did. He, I, he I called that earlier. Uh, I said the Jets will trade back up and get a third, third first round pick, and it happened. Now, the guy I wanted to get got taken before the trade happened in Lindenbaum from the center because we needed a center, and he went to the Ravens. But I can't complain with Jermaine Johnson the second out of Florida State. So, so, you know. so, Russell, what we're trying to tell you is don't worry about Kuiper. Don't worry about Lenardi. Don't worry about any of those guys. When, when you want to get start getting to the facts, when you want to know what's going on in the draft, it's OWSports.net. We, we got you. 
Hey, I'm tuning in to you, man. I love what I'm hearing right now, man. I tell you what, you talk about the defensive backs, man. I, I think they'll come up big. But I think I think going against Miami last weekend, going against those really two great receivers, I think it prepares them for what they're going against this weekend. Um, but but when, when you're playing in the playoff game and you're playing against Cincinnati and you got two of the, the best young players playing, uh, there's no motivational speech. Uh, you, you don't have to get – the Buffalo Bills ready for this football game. They're going to be ready to play. And I'm just really excited. I'm looking forward to it. Um, and and for me, it's go Bills, man. All right. And one last thing, you, you, you mentioned the American Heart Association. Any, anything you want to speak on that one? Well, you know, it's something that's really dear to my heart, the American Heart Association. Uh, my father received a heart transplant uh, over 10 years ago. I think it's 11 years ago now. Unfortunately for, for him, uh, he passed away uh, a couple of years ago from COVID. Um, but he was doing great. He was doing tremendous. He was doing things that he hadn't done since he had gotten ill. I mean, he was doing everything. He didn't have any limits. And and the doctor told me when he received his heart transplant, he said, you know, when it's time for him to pass away, it won't be from this heart. It'll be from something else. And unfortunately from COVID, but, you know, it's really something that's dear to me. And also my daughter, um, when she was born, um, you know, the hole in her heart wasn't closing up, didn't really know how that was going to be. Um, it finally closed and she was cleared, you know, to, to do activities. I think it's probably around two or three um, that says she's fine. Um, so, so that's something that's really dear to me. So you'll see on my platforms, uh, you'll see me uh, doing some things with the American Heart Association. It's big for me. So like I said before, just tune in to my YouTube channel um, at Russell Copeland 4350. Uh, also, you'll see me on Facebook. And I'm just like you, you know, I've never really, really got into a whole lot of Facebook and things such as that. Um, but right now I'm really getting into it. Um, so just tune in to, to Russell Copeland, YouTube 4350. Uh, some of my Facebook uh, is at Russell Copeland. Um, send me a friend request and, you know, and I'll accept it. But I'll have a lot of these things when it when it comes to the American Heart Association. It'll be on there. Sounds good. Well, listen, I really do appreciate you taking the time. Uh, we, we love to have you on. You're more than welcome to come back anytime. If you want to chop it up, we, you know, we can go at it, especially with the draft and, and you know, maybe maybe a road trip may be in store in February. I know I'm going back. Love to see you up there if that were to actually happen. Hey, man, I guess, hey, I've already got some reservations regardless, man. Hey, the NFLPA does a great job, so we know who's going to be playing. It'll be the Buffalo Bills or whatever comes from the NFC. I'm speaking into existence. The Buffalo Bills, they're on a team of destination. I think the Buffalo Bills go to the Super Bowl, and I picked them before the season started to, uh, to represent the AFC. And, um, go Bills. There you go. That's the perfect way to end it. Go Bills. Russell, thank you. Again, we really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Thank you. All right. Well, Stevie D. That was awesome. There, there. That was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That was awesome. Thank you, Russell, for, for taking the time away to, to hang with us and take time away from your family to, to, to hang with us and chop it up, like, like Vince said. And um, that was awesome. I appreciate all those insights. Um, and uh, so thank you. Hey, Terry. Yeah, it, it, you know, it, it's funny. It, it, it allowed me to kind of go back in the Wayback Machine, right? And, you know, hearing him talk about whether it be the offensive or defensive players, and um, that, that's always good, right? You, you hear about, you know, like he was talking about the DBs and Nate Odoms great defensive back. And, you know, he's talking about J.D. Williams and the speed that he had. And I remember when they drafted him, right, and, and the expectations there. And then he talked about Thomas Smith, 
right? Thomas Smith was one heck of a defensive back. He was one heck of a corner, right? Big, long, lanky. And, yeah, I just – as he talks about those guys, you know, maybe some of the gray starts to fade away a little bit, you know. It, it, now it came back out. But, you know, in my mind it faded away because now all of a sudden I'm a 20-something-year-old kid, you know, still part of the early days of Bill's Mafia and just living, eating, sleeping Buffalo Bill's. And then plus – I had the opportunity when, you know, working for the radio station, doing those interviews, talking to these guys, meeting these guys, right? And, and it just all went back. So, so, so appreciative, you know, love to hear what he said as he ended it, go Bills, his expectations, right? He's got his reservations in there. Um, me on the other side, Stevie D, maybe I should be more like Russell, but I kind of don't want to put the cart before the horse yet, right? Um, look, the, look, the the real in my view, I mean, the 49ers are strong, become a strong team, right? They really mm. turned it around and and they found something in Brock Purdy to, to kind of elevate them. But when you think about the gauntlet in the AFC, right? Those three top teams, I mean, the loser of your game, right? That's a very good team that's going home. Mm -hmm. And then if Kansas City wins their game. I mean, that's going to be a heck of a battle for the AFC mm -hmm. Championship. By the time you get to the exhibition game, whatever team goes, you're battle-tested against mm -hmm. the best because I still think the class of the NFL is in the AFC. Um, and uh, just like they would say back in the day, the NFC Championship game, they had some battles back then, uh, really good battles between the 49ers and Cowboys and things in the AFC Championship. Now that – you know, you were talking about that pendulum – it's a beast in, in, in the AFC. And so, you know, th this weekend I, I'm looking forward to, to your game uh, uh, very much. I'm not so much of the Chiefs Jaguars game, but your game, you guys got the number one, right? You got the number one play callers uh, this week. So yeah, um, it's going to so, be a battle. What's interesting, what's interesting when you look at Super Wildcard Weekend, right? Um and again, we started the show talking about this. You you had the odds makers that had Buffalo at a 13, 13 and a half point favorite, right? Uh, and I think in their mind, and this is the whole analytics thing that is just bugs me, right? In their mind, they said, okay, well, they're playing Sky, with Skylar Thompson at quarterback. Okay, Armstead, we don't know if he's going to play. Okay, so-and-so is going to be hurt. Okay, you know, all of this. And at the end of the day, they say, here's the number. We're setting the line at 13 and a half, right? But just like you and I talked about, for that game, as well as with the Cincinnati-Baltimore game, what they fail to take into account is the rivalry. The division rivalry, right? These are two teams that have already played each other twice this year, right? Two teams that don't like each other because they're in the same division, right? Same as I don't like the Jets, right? I don't like the Patriots. The Ravens and, and the Bengals, the Bengals don't like them. They don't like the Browns. They don't like – it's these rivalries, right? This is that intangible that they can never quantify, but yet they want to put up a number. Right, these games were destined to be close. They were destined to be close. Yeah, I, you know, honestly, I thought you guys were going to blow them out, and it, had, it, it just it wasn't more of a Skylar Thompson thing. I just thought you guys were primed to lay a, a butt whipping, right? And that butt whipping would have happened. They, didn't have they, know, they know you. 
right? They they know what worked in game one and they know what didn't work. I they just know hate what, Miami. I just I hate do. Miami. I, I was doing for that butt whipping. You know, well, I you know, I had that now interestingly enough, right? I remember the Raider victory when we won 51 to 3. But again, look at that. We they you may watch film, but you don't have that true film of what your players can do against their players. And that that was a blowout. But it, anyways, the, the one thing that I said was we're now in the tournament. It doesn't matter how pretty, right? right. It doesn't matter how ugly. It is win and advance, right? Move and go home. It, it, you know, if you get a one-point victory, I'm happy, right? Elated. If you get a 30-point victory, I'm happy. I'm elated. The biggest thing, and I say it every time, I said it last podcast, be healthy. Yep. Right, because if when you win and you move on, you don't want it to come at a price, right? You don't want to have to now have to reshuffle that deck because all these players got hurt. And Gerald saying, if we win, I want to hear Vince call it the well, yeah, <laughs> it'll still be an exhibition game. <laughs> it's still you know, a- Gerald, I, I, you know what, Gerald? I so appreciate that question because you're opening the door. So I appreciate you opening that door. Because you, the, you question is, the question is, if the Buffalo Bills would have won one of those four, would you have called it the exhibition game? I would call it the if big you game. you had the silver trophy in the case one time in the 90s, you wouldn't be calling it the exhibition game. It's still an exhibition game. It really is. Even Russell talked about it, but it is. It, yes, it he really did describe everything that goes on in the Super Bowl and how it's very different from from the from other games and the leading up to the Super Bowl, right? It but is. And I, that, that's just, my I, premise. I don't know, Gerald. I don't know, Gerald. It's just me. I'm thinking. What do you think, Gerald? Yes or no? Come on, right, right back. Yes or no? Would he call it the Super Bowl? If they would have won one in the nineties, you got to put up Gerald's answer. You got to put it I, up. I will, but I, I would, I wouldn't just because of the of the stance that I take with it. It, it is right. It's too much hoopla. Doesn't matter how many of those Lombardi trophies that you have, right? I get. I still call it the Lombardi Trophy, right? You don't hear me calling it something by another name, but the event is something totally different. It, it just, it's an event. I know Gerald put up an answer, and you're just not showing. Uh, he, he nah, just thank you, Gerald. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you, you, you're just doing that for clickbait, Gerald. Somehow, you know, you, you, you sold me out. You, you, you sold me out there. Uh, and, and now for that. And, and we do quarter zips. We don't do T-shirts. <laughs> do but anyways, you know, when, when we go back to that, um, the the one thing that you want out of all of it is to be healthy, right? If you're going to advance, you want to be healthy. And, and I don't care how pretty it is, CBD. I don't yeah, care. Look, can things get cleaned up? Sure. They're going to clean that up in practice, right? Sure. A capture there, whatever it happened, certain reads or something that happened or a miscommunication between a player. That get cleaned up on tape and in practice and all that, right? It's like you said, all you care is you get the win to move on. Right, it doesn't matter. There's no you don't get style points by beating a team by 30. Right, it's just going on because every game is unique. 
each opponent is different from the previous one. Your game plans are totally different than it would be from the previous week. So it's all thrown out and, and you start right. starting again. The biggest thing that I, I would say from a coach's perspective, you don't want to be out game plan by the other team. Right. <laughs> so it, it, it's all that. And, and that's why some of the, the folks that come out were, were super critical. You know, that doesn't mean a hill of beans because you got the win and you move on. So what, what I want to do here, CBD, is I, I don't want us to rush past it, but let's just real quick, you, you had the the Jacksonville comeback, right? I want to talk about the Jacksonville comeback because not what Jacksonville did, but what the Chargers didn't do, right? And starting with after the game, they haven't fired Brandon Staley. Right, no, they fired the offensive coordinator, Lenardi, for no reason. Yeah, so Lombardi, of course, the Italian gets it. I mean, come on, really? Yeah, I mean, we that. And, and so Lombardi and I believe the quarterback coach got got canned, right? And now, the let me coach, ask you. Hold on, let me ask you a question. The offense played well. Yeah, the offense well, played well all season. Who's in so, charge of the defense, They said, did you hear the reason that that the, what the Chargers organization said? They said they let him go because um, he lacked, um, Lombardi lacked um, um, halftime adjustments and in-game adjustments. What did you have to adjust to? I'm just saying, you're up 27 nothing. The offense put up 27. You scored 27 points in the league. And you're up 27. You, you're expected to win that game. You you put uh, unless the game. Un, unless they're blaming Lombardi for throwing the ball too much in the second half. Because well, that, that they did talk about um, again, but this is one particular game, right? Yeah, when you think about it, when you you have Austin Eckler and he gets he walks out of the game with 13 carries. There's something yep. wrong with that, right? Yep. It's Austin Eckler. Right. Yep. Why is he only getting 13 carries? So that was talked about in the post game, like, you know, more carries for, uh, just in general, even if you don't want to use Eckler for 25 carries, you still have other backs in your stable. And, and why aren't you chewing clock that way? Because at the end of the day, when you're up 27, nothing, it's chewing clock. It's but, chewing clock. Why, why isn't the count, the head coach being held accountable for watching this go within the third quarter and not turning to his OC or looking up at the booth and saying, yo, start running the ball. You have the headset on. You get in there and you say, we have got to just ground out this clock. Let, let's keep running the ball. Why are you throwing it? Right. It, and that's why you're, you're getting rid of the, the offensive coordinator for when a coach has the veto power on any play. But he can say, look, Joe, I appreciate it. But right now it's all about clock. I want to get our guys out healthy. Just let's chew the clock. Let's let's chew it. Chew Absolutely. It, chew it, right. Um, but look, I'm not a big Brandon Staley fan. I wasn't a fan of him last year when he blew the opportunity. It was just poor coaching. And last year, the Kansas City game. Oh. Or hold on. The, Raider the, Kansas, game? the Kansas City games. Right. Right. When, when, how about the Raider game? The Raider game. There you go. There's another one. Your, your, your playoff live is on there, and what are you doing? Yep. Why would you give the Raiders life? It, it, hello, yep. right? And so, you know, what's the old saying? You can't fix stupid, and I don't know if you can fix it, right? And so we talked about Anthony Lynn being dismissed from San Diego. From, at that time, I think it was still San Diego. I don't even know. But from the Chargers, he, he was let go. 
and they said clock management and things. I, I, don't, I don't know what the replacement coach is doing, but I can tell you one thing. You got a guy in Sean Payton hanging out that's probably would love an opportunity to work with that offensive unit and with the Chargers. Yeah. Now, it's yeah. no guarantee you, you fire Staley and get Sean Payton right now, but I just look at Brendan Staley and I said, man, you, you got to go. You got a team that's ready to, to take off right now, and you're wasting time. You're burning daylight with this guy as a coach. That's how I feel. So let me let me move to the next one, Stevie D. Yep. Bengals Ravens. Bengals win a, a squeaker. We already talked about it. Division games are tough, right? You had Skylar Thompson for the Dolphins, third stringer. Now you, you actually had the second stringer in Huntley come in for the Ravens. I wasn't surprised at the outcome. I'm just surprised at how it got to the outcome. Right. Go ahead. You're good. I don't know what Greg Roman was thinking with that call with Hunley at the one and a half, two yard line. Well, hold on. Hold on. Is that an audible check into that play? Report is he was not told to go up and over like that, but he was told to go submerge and go down. That was the play call. I don't know. Maybe he did not see like linebackers in those a gaps, and he figured he could just you know because he he's he's tall and lanky. Maybe it's that's far, man. That's a far. That's six feet. Like yeah, you're not at the half inch line. I mean, you're six feet, and you still got to get up, and you're six feet away. And I mean, I just saw the play. I just I was this when I was watching it. I, I couldn't believe what I was watching. I could not believe what I was watching. J.K. Dobbins was not happy. J.K. Dobbins was not happy with no. the the outcome. Yeah. Uh, J.K. Dobbins somebody called it. it, it what, what is worse, that play or the Seattle Seattle uh, Patriot play in the Super Bowl with Russell uh, checking? Yeah. Out. I think he checked to a pass play and checking out of the run with Marshawn Lynch. Marshawn should have gotten the ball four straight times until he scored. Yeah, yes, uh, he, he should never been throwing the ball in that scenario. Yeah, um, and, and there, I, I yeah, I I agree with that analogy of why wasn't J.K. J., from that point of the field, why wasn't it going to J.K. or or go to Edwards? Edwards is your big back. You just you just and now and now the way that they've allowed the 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 play calling for this scrum push, which I can't stand. That's an automatic two yards. Right, you you get Andrews coming right behind you. You snap it, and he just gives you a shove in the back. Right, readjust yeah, that. You're not grabbing a player, yeah. you can push. I think the rule is. I thought I heard this in one of the games. You can't physically grab like the jersey and pull. You can do anything from the back and push, but if you're if you grab me by the front of my jersey and start pulling me, you can't you can't do that. That's against. I, the I actually I saw that this weekend, and it wasn't called. You saw the pull? I, I, I saw a pull. I, I'm not going to disclose because I don't want to jeopardize anything in this week's game. But I saw a, I saw a certain team that was pulling. And I was thinking, because you had told me this before, that you can push, but you can't pull. And I'm thinking, oh, no, no. And then they didn't call it. I was like, okay, we'll leave well enough alone. At the end of the day, and I know we got to move on to the next game, is – you got to just remove it. You, you got to remove it. 
You do. It never gets cold. It never gets cold anyway. So just remove it from the rule book. It's it's just silly. So I, I don't want to gloss over, but I think we are the the 49ers Seahawks game. It was a close game, but then Bosa causes uh, the turnover, and then the game just it was over, right? I don't really think. And, and again, this was another intra division game in in the wildcard weekend and it was close it really was close with the seahawks having an opportunity and and then it just got away from and and when it went down it went down quick so i i kind of go past that one because there is a game that i know that you had a little interest in right a little family interest and that was the giants and the vikings not to mention you, you you haven't been a big fan of the vikings all year um they, they pretty much showed why you were a fan of the Vikings. My dad's a giant fan. So um, secretly, you know, just like I was happy for you and your, your team, you know, winning and moving on. I was happy for my dad and his team to, to move on. Um, I just think the Vikings overall just were an overrated team um, as a whole. Yeah. They, they won 13 games, but they got to be the softest 13 game win team I've ever seen. Um, and, and, to have that home game in that environment and allow the New York Giants a total of 505 total yards in your house in, in the playoff game is inexcusable. And how Ed Don, Donatel still has a job as a defensive coordinator for the Vikings, he stayed in cover two and he bled all the way with cover two all game long. He never came out of it. And the Giants said, they probably sit back like, Okay, if this is what you're going to do, we're just going to keep doing our thing. And he just right down the field. And, you know, the Giants receivers took a lot of flack because they don't line up necessarily to the Vikings. And and um, and they, they bowled out the, the, the uh, New York Giants receivers, right? Slayton had an awful drop. I felt bad for him there late in the game. It didn't come back to bite him in the butt. But uh, Hodgkins had a great game for the Giants. I think he had eight for 105. After being called out by the NFL Network, the NFL Network called out the Giants receiving core, and Hopkins saw it, and he tweeted back at it and said, hey. Right? And then right after the game, he tweeted the NFL Network right after the game and said, take that, NFL Network. So good, good, for, good for him. Every game that he plays and throws up numbers, it just hurts. It just hurts. He, he was a bill. He was on. So when you looked at our receiving, our receiving core, right? He was like that number four, number five guy. And they were trying to find a place but for whatever reason, Jamison Crowder, uh, Jake Kumaro, for whatever reason, he, he wasn't able to get past those two. And so then he became one of those guys that went on the practice squad that you would hope you could stash on the practice squad. Well, you know you're not stashing anybody on the practice squad when when Sean and Dable are over there just looking to pillage your entire roster. And sure enough, that's what happened. Dable says and Sean say, oh, we're going to sign you with the Giants, and this kid is balling out. I'm happy for him. I really am. I liked and were was hoping that I would be able to see that with Buffalo. But, you know, he's showing – you know, he, he is definitely a, a good talent in up and coming. And the, the last point is I don't know what goes through a quarterback's mind, but as a fan, 
as a fan, it's fourth and eight. How in the world <laughs> do you throw a three-yard pass to TJ Hawkinson? <laughs> I, your, your season is on the line. And you throw the ball five yards before the line. Now, like, okay, TJ Hutchinson, why are you doing a three-yard crosser when you need eight yards? You're not fast enough to outrun the DB on the field, right? You're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna take out your legs on that play, and, and you're done. Um, so, partially, I got to put a little bit on him to say, man, I shouldn't be running a three-yard crosser. Maybe I should do a seven-yard crosser and hope that I can stretch out for that extra one yard. But Kirk Cousins, who was not under crazy pressure where he was forced to throw it to TJ, I don't know how you make that throw. He's not a good quarterback. In double He's coverage to Jefferson, incomplete, then throw a three-yard pass play. He's not a good quarterback. We have said this in the past. He, he has been a benefactor of – one of these wild gunslingers at times, right? So he'll throw it up and he'll chuck it down the Thielen into Jefferson, right? He'll he'll get these gaudy numbers. But when it comes to crunch time, he has not been good. Now, yeah, they, they stack some wins with some last-minute comebacks. I'll give you that, right? I think that was more of an anomaly because we have seen over the previous seasons who you really are. And th this was, again, this was just an anomaly. And the truth came out right here in this game. There's no way, there's no way any of the greats, to your point, would have thrown a three-yard pass. You have a better shot at getting defensive pass interference or getting a defensive holding call, throwing it down the field, than you did of throwing three yards and expecting, like you said, a tight end to break a tackle and then scamper for five more yards. The bad quarterback. The Buffalo game. Jefferson on the double team. Amazing coverage on Jefferson. On what was it, fourth and 16 or fourth and 19? Yeah, yeah. The guy makes them one of the most Im impossible catches. How he holds on to that ball with that guy there and come down. So you know Jefferson can make the most outrageous catches and you throw a three yard play. Yeah. Yeah. Your best weapon you don't go to. It's like, in a basketball game, when the when the game is on the line, you know you got Jordan on the ball's going to Jordan. He's going to put the last shot, right? You, the superstars, you got to put the ball in the hands of the superstars to let them. That's why they're a superstar. Jefferson is the superstar. Why isn't the ball going to him, even in double coverage? I can live with myself and say, well, hey, I, I gave it to Jefferson. I get a shot. We hit him twenty yards downfield. Yeah, it just didn't happen. Maybe I was a tick high, or the DB made a whatever the case may be. But a three-yard pass, dude, you're getting murdered. And he should be. He should be getting crucified. And, and if I'm O'Connell, I'm sorry, you may not kill the quarterback in public, but I'm going to the gym and say, can you get me an effing quarterback out here that understands yeah. down in distance, season on the line, right? We're talking about football IQ, awareness, right? We talk about awareness all the time, right? Are you playing the game like this? Are you playing the game like this, right? Peripheral vision. He's got zero, none of that. He's got blinders on. He's got blinders. So, Stevie D, we, we go to our last game of the wild card weekend plus one, right? And this is the plus one version. Was I smiling during the game? I, I, I was smiling. I'm not a Cowboys fan, right? 
Um, but I, I do think that Dak got a lot of unfair criticism. They had a bad Washington game, week, week 17, bad game, right? But it really didn't matter, right, as far as seeding and standing. Bad game. I give you that. Dak was hurt, and, and Dak has had, you know, some struggles coming back. But the team plays better with, with, with Dak. But you go to the other side of the field. I like Todd Bowles, right? But I like Todd Bowles as a defensive coordinator. You know, I, Todd, Todd Bowles, former Jet coach, right? I, I like Todd Bowles. I thought he got a roar deal towards the end. I thought the Jets got really cheap, right, and, and paying players and, and going things on the cheap. And I thought he got a roar deal out the door. So to watch Todd Bowles struggle in Tampa, it, it hurts because I do I, – I like the man. I respect him. I re- always respected his answers. Um, but uh, But see, Tampa, Tampa did it again. They did it again. What was Britney's song? Oops, I did it again. They did it again, right? Because they did it with Tony Dungy, right? And then they did it again with Bruce Arians. This time a little different, right? Because for Bruce Arians, you can tell me, a million and one reasons what they are telling you as to why Arians is in a different position. But Arians is in a different position because they wanted to bring back Brady. And Brady had publicly shown that he had conflict with Arians. Brady retires, right? And they're like, oh, what are we going to do, right? We're going to go to Blaine Gabbert. We're going to go to Kyle Trask. What are we going to do? Hey, Tom, can we get you back? Yeah, I'll come back, but I don't want that guy over there. Done. <laughs> right? But now you got all these coaches. It's after the carousel, right, because uh, everything had happened. And so then they made the arrangement to move Arians into this special projects-type position, still getting paid. They had to look at their coaching staff. You put Todd Bowles into a, a situation that's a tough one. You still have Byron Leftwich. But what you did was you brought back a feeble geriatric Tom Brady. You want to run around talking about he's the GOAT. He is not the GOAT, right? He may have been good back then, right? But he is not leaving as a champion, right? He's not leaving as a GOAT. And here I I will tell you exactly where you can tell that he is mentally not into it, right? Nor is he physically into it. If you watch that game, Micah Parsons was eating, right? What, what do they do? I want to eat. Micah Parsons was eating up that offensive line for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But Brady didn't want to get hit by Micah Parsons. Brady didn't want to get hit by Lawrence, right? And so as, as that rush, that's exactly right. As that rush was coming, before it even got that step, step and a half, Brady is throwing the ball. doesn't matter where the ball is going. And most of the time the ball was going short because the receiver in this route was supposed to go seven yards, but Brady, to avoid the hit, was throwing the ball at the five yards. So now the receiver's turning around and there's no ball there, right? The ball's sailing out of bounds because you're scared. And when you're scared, the reason why you're scared is because you know that you're 45 years old. Because you know that your body doesn't want to take that same beating that it took when you were 23, 24, and 25. And I get it. But don't come across as, you know, you're the Messiah and you're the chosen one and you're doing all of this. You had a good team. You had a good run. But that was over. And now what you have done is you've 
totally uh, turned over this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team because now what are they going to do at quarterback, right? Are they going after Derek Carr? Are they going to go after Jimmy Garoppolo? Are they going to try to let Kyle Trask play, who hasn't seen a down yet, right? You're in a meaningless game, and you demand to play, but you don't let Kyle Trask, your future successor, get on the field, right? This all goes back to I can't stand TB12. I don't like the arrogance. I don't like the way that, you know, there's a supposed cheating. Right. And I don't like how everybody raises him up like he's from the Lion King. Right. He's the chosen one. He's not the chosen one. You've just elected to hitch onto him. And so, you know, when I watch that, I really, in as much as I don't like the Dallas Cowboys either, right? I want to see Jerry Jones lose. But for that one, oh, yeah, I wanted to see Brady go out. I, and I wanted to see him go out hanging his head. And that's you know, exactly you know, you know you made some really good points there on in the in the in during the game right with with Micah and and and, and Lawrence right uh, if everybody has him going to the the Raiders right like he's going somewhere else there's another team he's going to play for he's not retiring but that statement is actually very powerful because what are you going to do when you go up against teams that have a pass rush and he's dumping the ball you're basically conceding that game i knew in that first quarter they were done because mm -hmm. he was bailing out on his throws so mm -hmm. i mean it was really bad and when you think about the passes that he made other than that one really pass there the streak on the left side to what uh, mike evans um uh, it, it was really Checkdowns, and even that was poorly run checkdowns, poorly thrown mm -hmm. balls, uh, and everything because he punked out. And and it, you just you can't play this game that way. You can't play it. And to me, you almost going to start. I, your feelings aside, right? My feelings are very similar to to your feelings on Tom Brady. Your legacy. This is what you're leaving behind. Is these last couple of years of football. And if you're afraid to get hit, you should be playing the game. All you're doing, it's the selfishness, right? It is. It's the selfishness of him, right? And you're giving, you know, some players may be energized to play for Tom Brady, right? Do you have that? And then all of a sudden you get in the game like, the hell is this? Right? They used to be. They used to be. Well, I right? do think that is changing in Tampa. I, I thought, I felt like part of it was the players gave up. Mm -hmm. Like when I was watching that game, I'm like, I feel like the players don't want to play for Tom Brady on the offensive side of the ball, right? Mm -hmm. I just didn't – I did the, the lack of energy, I think his antics of, you know, breaking tablets on the sidelines and, and chewing people out. You know, it, it's funny, you know, Josh Allen has a bad game and he gets up he's like, I play like crap. I mean, mm -hmm. he used other words. I play like crap, right? You know, Tom Brady never steps up and says, you know, I play like crap. It was more of – no, we just didn't get it done offensively and, and deflecting instead of just taking the ownership when you stunk, mm -hmm. right? You gave up on the plays, not the players running the routes. Mm -hmm. You bailed and couldn't deliver the ball, as Russell would say, to the spot mm -hmm. because you got the rush and you weren't willing to hang in there for that, that, that quarter of a second or a half a second so the guy can get out of the break and you can throw it to the spot and he can get there and, and, and you bailed out. And so, 
Um, it's very selfish football uh, by Tom Brady, but I, I do think he's going to continue on, and I, I don't see him having any better success with the Raiders. I just don't see it. Um, he may it. have some weapons out there, but he's got three hundred plus million waiting for him. It, it, he's hanging on because he wants to own every single record in the record book. That's the only reason why you're hanging on. It's not money because there's money waiting for you from Fox Sports, right? It's sitting right there. It's time for you to go. So I mean, you, you see that with players, right? They hang on that one year, and he now he's doing it. He look was his numbers awful this year. If you look at his numbers and you take his name away and you put up how many yards he threw in the touchdowns and interceptions, there's nothing that says, man, that's an awful quarterback, right? But when you get into those games against elite teams, he's not there anymore. No. He, he can beat the subpar teams, right? You can see they were 8-9. They were not a good football team. You were 8-9. and nine. And then, boom, you get into the playoffs, you got wrecked. You, you got wrecked. That yeah, score he, was a lot worse. If they if they had an extra a kick and a kick an extra point, they probably would put up a fifty burger there, right? I've never. I gotta be honest with you. I've never seen that before in my life. You missed four extra well, points. I never. I, seen I, that. I, you know, I. Somebody said it, and I agree that this was, this was the golfing syndrome being played out uh, on the football field, right? Because as a golfer. You get up, you, you're you're addressing the ball. You think you're lined up good, right? You're, you're taking your time as you as you address it. You go ahead, you take, you have a good takeaway, and you come through. And as you come through, the club face may be open, and all of a sudden, you're watching the ball kind of just curve off. The, you're like, oh, I knew I hit that. You know, I thought I hit that pure. Of course, you know, as the amateur golfers that we are, right? You drop another one, right? And you go and you hit the same thing, right? And it goes over there, and you're just like. What am I doing wrong, right? You get to the next hole. What do you do? You overcompensate, right? And so then as you hit the ball, instead of drifting off to the right, now it goes to the left, right? And you're like, what am I doing? Then you hit the next one. It goes off to the right. And you can't dial it in, right? That's exactly what happened to him. And thankfully, right, he was able to get that one to go in. And, and you know, he, he was able to hit it down and hit it pure. I, you, you see it, you know it's in the head. It is strictly in the head. The good thing is that something like that, you get away, and he's had a great season, right? You just clear your head, and, and you go back to rinse and repeat, and he'll be fine. I, I really do think he'll be fine. So Jay chimes in, the NFL doesn't need TB12. It's time for the new generation of quarterbacks. All right, I, I don't disagree. I don't disagree, but that that comes from a a Buccaneer fan. He he'll tell you he's an Eagle fan, but that comes from a Buccaneer fan, right? He he's a little salty, and uh, you know that that salt is because you know you got throttled thirty one to fourteen, and really it was worse than that. So Stevie D, um, you know we we we're going a little long. Obviously, again, thank you to Russell Copeland for coming on, and you know just being able to talk about a lot of different things. Um, I do want us to just spend a few moments um, just about this Buffalo-Cincinnati matchup, right? Um, one of the things that we had talked about offline, the week, what was that, week 16, week 17 game between Buffalo and Cincinnati, uh, by not playing that game, it actually 
Well, we don't know what would have happened. Let, let's put it like that. You don't know. The game was called five minutes, uh, well, five minutes ago in the in the first quarter. So there really wasn't, even though the score was seven to three, there wasn't a, a definitive advantage for either either side, right? Um, but the winner of that, well, I, it's hard to say. I, I can't say that, right? Because if Buffalo wins, more Buffalo's playing Jacksonville this week, right? Um, but if Cincinnati had won that game, this would have been the matchup, but it would have been a rematch in Cincinnati, and they would have had home field advantage there, right? By not playing that game and not knowing that outcome, then this game is, you know, with Buffalo being the higher seed, this game uh, will be played at Highmark Stadium, which gives a, de- a decisive advantage um, to the Buffalo Bills. Uh, just like we talked to, again with Russell, you know, the potential, just the mere potential. And think about this, right? The potential of DeMar Hamlin coming and being on site at that game. Insane. Insane, right? The, the whole recovery aspect. And then you're coming back against the team that it happened with. That That's the one that just blows my mind. Like, oh, can you imagine? But, you know, I, I in the back of my mind, I was thinking that this is going to be the game, right? And I think that um, with this being the game, that there would be acknowledgement to uh, Zach Taylor and, and to T. Higgins, right, and their friends. And, and you know, certainly to, to let them know, hey, I'm here, bro. And then come across the other side of the field and you got 52 guys just waiting to, you know, show you love and dap you up and everything else. I, I can just see that just being just absolutely amazing. You know, that type of situation, the momentum rush, it lasts for about five minutes, right, seven minutes of the game. And then then everything gets to normal and, and, and you know, then they clash. It, it, it It's going to be a tough matchup for both sides, right, no matter how, how you want to look at it. This is not divisional tough, but this is good team tough, right? This is where you got two good teams – um, Buffalo, as I mentioned earlier, um, Dane Jackson and, and Jordan Poyer, uh, both questionable, which uh, is a big factor for our secondary. You do have Kyrie Elam stepping in, so that's going to be a good thing. But Poyer, he, he's just that leader, right? You, you have to have those leaders. And right now it seems like Edmonds and Milano have been stepping up in that leadership role. You don't have – uh, Von Miller, who obviously you know is gone for the season, so you don't have him as that leader. Jordan Poyer, we really need him back there. It looks like you're going to say something. Go ahead, CBD. You know, the Von Miller injury, when it happened in the time of the year, was a blessing if he was going to get hurt because you've learned to play without him. Yeah, that injury happened late in the year, and then you're trying to scramble. Yeah, you know, that to me, that's. It hurts having not having Von Miller altogether, don't get me wrong. But losing him in week eight, whatever week it was, rather than losing him in week 17, big difference. And you've learned yeah. to, to adjust without Von Miller um, to, to the – We've also record. learned to, to see that our, our pass rush is not as good as we thought it was <laughs> post-Von Miller, right? The guys, the guys do get there, but we're blitzing more, right? I told you in, in, in training camp – that now with Von Miller, we don't have to blitz. We're rushing four and dropping seven 
I dare you to throw into that seven. Well, now we're blitzing, right? So now we got five coming, right? And now you got six. Now there's gaps, right? And, and we've we've been exposed in some of those gaps, right? Um, you just have to make sure you get home. I, I have seen uh, from better play from Boogie Basham, uh, AJ Epinesa have not seen as much from him. Rousseau seems to have kind of tapered down a little bit, right? Um, I, I'm hoping that these guys kind of regain it, but, you know, there are certain guys that are still bringing it, and that's a good thing. And Matt Milano is, is just a flat-out stud. Uh, can we say that one? I think twice? the crowd energy in this game, I crowd energy, We look, we all know this. This is not – players feed off that energy, right? Yeah. And – if that energy is going all game long, I can see your front four having a really good game because the players will feed off of that energy and it's going to want to move through that that line good. When I when you as play against, it was, that that energy is going to be high as long as it's close or we're winning. Right. Win. And, and when I look at what happened in, in against the Miami, all of a sudden when the tide was turning, man, it got really quiet. And then the players don't feed off of that home energy, and and Miami uh, uh, negated that home field advantage at that point. Because I think we were confused. I think we were confused. I know I was confused. What in the world is going on? <laughs> right, but I, I just think if that that crowd is going and it's continuing to go on because the game is going in your favor in in that fashion, even if it's close, but you guys are winning and and it's you know that type of game, I think Rousseau. Is Phillips playing? Is he back? Don't know yet. Don't know yet. And, and that that's a key player on that line. And he wanted to play against his old team, but it, that, that's a big one. We'll see. Um, you know, it's it's midweek. Uh, I'd like to see uh, probably wait for that Friday injury report. That That's really going to be the one to tell you, you know, who's in and who's out. But, and Mike you know, we'll Hyde, is he is he if you make it to the exhibition game is is that eligible because I know he's off the IR but there's no sighting of him. So I was hoping the sighting is that he's at practice. He's practicing, so that's the good thing, right? I was hoping for this week, but I I don't think I'm going to get my wish. That's okay. Uh, there is a a distinct possibility for next week if there is a next week. There's a distinct possibility for that. And I can tell you without a doubt that if you go to – I'll start to change it from exhibition to if you go to the big game, uh, that I can tell you without a doubt he'll be out there. He'll be out there. So this is this is going to be a good game, right? Um, Joe Burrow, he – I'm a Burrow fan. I'm not going to lie. He Because he, he's just so smooth and so cool, yeah. right? He, He's a bad boy, and I'm a Jamar Chase. And dare I, dare I make an early comparison, not saying that they're going to end up with those same careers. Dare I say they could become another Montana and Rice? Because he, Burrow is, yeah, Burrow is just that smooth of a passer, right? And oh, Jamar, Chase, Jamar Chase can run every route on that tree. The the problem is in in in, in the owner fashion of only the Cincinnati, Cincinnati Bengals owner could do in a playoff run because that owner is one of the more confusing owners in sports. He comes yeah. out and they ask the question about extending Joe Burrow and he says yes he's eligible for extension, 
But, you know, it's hard to keep all the players in the money. And, you know, if you give them all the money, then I don't have money to pay the other players. Dude, you're in a playoff run. Why would you say that to piss off the team and your borough or the receiving call? It's mind-blowing to me that the owner would even bring that up and have that conversation. Let me tell. Let, let me tell you. If somehow Joe Burrow did not end up a Cincinnati Bengal when it came time for that con- contract to be restructured, there would be no more Cincinnati Bengals. They are so in love with Joe Burrow. They they know it. more than Ken Anderson, more more than uh, Boomer Esiason, more but more than more talented those two. What well, absolutely. Than those two. I mean, they they got their quarterback. You cannot let him go. You cannot let Jamar Chase go, right? Those two are tied to the hip. You skipped over drafting an offensive lineman just so that you can reunite the college teammates. That's locked in. If, if, now, they, get a, if they get a Super Bowl, then they could let one of them go because they completed no. the mission. Because I, honestly, where do you go with it? Is Joe Burrow going to be the first $60, 70000000 million quarterback? And Jamar Chase going to be the first $40, 45000000 million receiver? Sure will. Sure will. Look, look to your neighbors. Cap gets pumped up a lot, man. Look to your neighbors to the West and, and, and see what happened in Green Bay. Yeah, they sure will. I will I will keep my quarterback and my wide receiver and figure it out yeah. from there. But we're talking about the Cincinnati Bengals and, and Brown as the owner who's the cheapest owner. Well, there's some cheap owners, but, man, he's up there, right? He's in the top three. He's in the Mount Rushmore as cheap owners. Hey, he is. I, I don't know if he'll pony up the money. I just don't. He's got a, a dollar value in his head. He's not willing to budge. It's killed the whole yeah. franchise. Killed Carson Palmer. He had to get out of there. Yeah. Right? That is very true. I, I feel so, like Bengal, Bengal fans when it comes to that owner. Yeah. So Stevie D, you know, you know, I don't do picks, right? I I, I don't do the picks, um, but I I do. I feel confident, like I did last game. I feel confident. I, I feel confident in this team against anybody, right? I, I just be, you know, that, that's not being a fanboy. That's just looking at this team. They have the weapons. They have the ability to get it done. Um, as long as Dorsey calls a good game, as lo- as long as Josh plays the way that Josh can play uh, as long as the defense does and Leslie Frazier puts those guys in the right position, they can't be stopped. And, and so I do feel as though, especially being at home, I, I feel very confident in this game. Again, I want to get out of it with no injuries and, you know, let's hopefully be preparing to go to Atlanta uh, to the dirty South uh, for, or, or which would be even better, which would be even better have Travis or Trevor Lawrence and uh, Travis Etienne uh, come come to Buffalo and come to the seven one six. That would be even better. But I I think we're traveling to Atlanta. Bring the sun to Buffalo, baby. <laughs> no yeah, <laughs> yeah, but I, so. no, I don't. I, I can't. I don't know if I can pick this game. I I think this is this is the matchup right now. I mean, this is. This is as close as two teams can be. And uh, I don't know if I can pick a winner this game. All I can just say is I just hope Joe Mixon. You can pick a winner. Well, 
You Look, picked a winner. I, last I said at the beginning of the year where I thought Buffalo was going to be, so I can't back down on, on, on my pick from Buffalo. So I, I have I have Buffalo in the game. They were my my preseason uh, team. Listen, um, we we need to replicate exactly what happened last week, right? We Buffalo is going to win forty five to thirteen. <laughs> I I am calling it. I'm calling it. Replicate. I'm telling you that right now. What? Forty-five to thirteen. There you go. <laughs> hey, how about Mrs. D? How about Mrs. D? Oh, thank you, thank you for giving some love there. And, and you know, I, I have to admit, it's time. Wait a minute. Now, normally, this segment is dedicated for. We have to get something up our chest, right? It's just really bothering you. Thank you for bringing this up because game day, going through, just checking, make sure everything is aligned, right? Everything's going good. All of a sudden, this pops up. I see this picture in the Josh Allen jersey. And I was like, oh, that just warmed my heart. I was like, look at this. And so I absolutely had to comment on it. You know, seeing Richard in in that Josh Allen jersey, I, I wasn't sure. Now I said temporary, which I'm okay with that, right? Beggars can't be choosers, so it it, it wasn't the permanent profile picture change, but maybe, maybe on on the low I could slide over a Bills Mafia application to Richard to say, yeah, I, I'm looking at the facial expression, not going where I thought it was going to go. So maybe I'll pull that application back just so I can get the picture again this week. <laughs> well, I think she said she was keeping it as long as Buffalo keeps winning. She did. She did. And, and I am ever so grateful that just that, so was you know, that was not approved by me. I can just tell you that right now. So, or half of the 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 Kansas City population who she's friends with, because people are in uproar. What is that? Why is she? It's like easy, and she had to defend it. She had to defend it to you and to others that you know she's supporting New York State in the playoffs. And I was like, oh, you know that that's what's up. Well, you know the Giants playing New Jersey, right? You, you you admit to that, right? Serenity now, serenity now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so but, yeah, but I give her kudos for doing that, thinking of that. I, I have to give her the credit that, that way. Yes, it, it was well received, well received. Well, CBD again. This has been a long one, but you know, I, I enjoyed it. I really did spend a lot of good time here with Russell Copeland. And, and again, please, when when you have the opportunity. Check out what he's doing, right? He, he's getting into the whole uh, social media, the, the live streaming, the podcasting. Um, and you can find him out on YouTube. Again, go just do a search for Russell Copeland 4350, Russell Copeland 4350. Um, and then, it, you know, as he mentioned, you know, near and dear to his heart is the American Heart Association. So, um, you know, again, we, we're very thankful and, you know, glad to have him on and, you know, especially as a guest, and you know, Russell, if you're still listening or you watch this, if you need any draft advice, we're here for you, right? We're we're here for you, free of charge. You know, we like to do it. You know, a little pro bono work, and you know, just get some things out there um, and and listen to our insight. But uh, 
you know, again, for everybody, you can check us out. We're on YouTube as well, uh, OW Sports. You can find us um, on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter. Uh, look for OW Sports or, or one of our variations of the handles there. All right. Uh, for my co-host, Stevie D, I'm Vince. We'll talk to you.